Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable with sponsor and partner, RHF Ninja Warrior Com- Competitions, December is AIDS Awareness and National Human Rights Month. Today is Saturday, December 10th, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clement, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega Scott's Honor Productions. Last but not least, our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And we have a partner on the line, Mr. Darren Jeffrey. He's a founding board member of RHF and also the, the original course creator, builder, for the TV show American Ninja Warrior on NBC. He has brought us a panelist, Josh War, U.S. Army Sergeant Major and White House Fellow. We're going to talk about RF Ninja Warrior competitions, the purpose, mission, and agenda for the upcoming calendar year of 2023. It's about that time. So how are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. How are you, Sean? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, Sean, doing good. Thanks for having us. My pleasure, my pleasure. So tell us, so, so uh, tell us, give us an introduction real quick, Dar- Darren, about Josh, um, and let us know what is going on for 2023. Absolutely, absolutely. Very exciting to be, to be back on the show and being a co-host with you. It's quite an honor. Um, jumping into it, Josh and I met uh, about eight and a half years ago uh, in Hawaii. I was teaching a class uh, for some of the military folks that, that – uh, that I get to work with, and Josh was one of the students of the class, and we just hit it off from day one and uh, rolled the clock forward. Here we are today, eight years later. Um, so Josh Ware has uh, been a, an, an inspiration and a mentor to me as far as uh, you know, taking an idea and getting it to uh, get, you know, delivering it, getting it to fruition. And so. Uh, so, so Josh, so, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to ask Josh if he wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about the, you know, when when him and I had met. Yeah, I think the first thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate it, Darren. Same here. Uh, I think the the funnest story about how we met is within 24 hours of meeting Darren, he had knocked me unconscious. What? Uh, yeah, and I, exactly. <laughs> and yet, yet here we are, eight years later, we're friends. Best way to meet somebody. <laughs> we were in Hawaii where he was teaching us, you know, repelling how to create rope systems, how to move gear or casualties uh, in case you're in a mountainous environment. So this military training we're doing, we're repelling down the, the face of a mountain, kind of like a waterfall coming in. And I'm probably 15 feet up from the bottom and a, and a rock sheared off the rope, yeah. sheared a rock off. Thankfully I was wearing a helmet, hit me upside down unconscious. And there comes Darren running to, to flip me upright and, and keep me alive. So so I, I've, I'm in debt to Darren for that. So that, that's a fun story about meeting Darren. Uh, the truth is he's been a great friend ever since then. I used to love repelling. It was so fun back in the day. But So, Josh, tell me, why did you join the military? Oh, yeah, you know, that's a great – all right, why did I join the military? I tried to join the military a few times. I'll, you know, I'll, I guess I'll briefly share those. So the first time I tried, tried to join the military, I was – I think I did about eight or ten weeks of school my junior year of high school. I just wasn't having it at the time. I was I was young and immature. You'll probably see some some patterns here about you know 
as, as we talk about how the military has really helped me grow and mature as a person, as an individual. But uh, I dropped out of high school. I went to the recruiter's office. I went to every recruiter other than the Navy. I, I had decided based on, uh, based on a stepdad who, who was in the Navy, I didn't want to be in the Navy. That said, I went to every other recruiter's office that said, I want to be in special operations. The Army was the only one that provided a, a contract that allowed you to at least try out for special operations. Hmm. Uh, so I tried to do that, and then when they realized I was 16 and I didn't have a parent that was going to sign for me, they realized I didn't have a high school diploma, I didn't have a GED, uh, they, the recruiter said, see you later. So, wow. so I actually went back to school, uh, dropped out again after you know starting my senior year, tried again. They told me no. I, I went back to school, finished school, and then I, I joined the military. You know, I basically graduated three weeks later. I was in the Army. You know, so, so that's the when of, of joining the military. Was, I, I think I graduated in May and by or, or June, and by July I was in the military at Fort Benning starting basic training. You know, why I joined the military, I think there's, there's, there's lots of reasons why I joined the military. As I, as I reflect and look back, I can tell you as a, someone who's been in the military for 24 years, I would say, though I didn't realize it at the time, I was trying to prove something to myself. Mm. Um, you know, another reason I joined the military is I was just trying to get out of the environment that I was in as a, as a young, as a young, young person. You know, obviously, you know, some good influences, some bad influences, but I really didn't see a, a way forward that was successful. I think I, I always had this thought or this feeling as a, as a teenager, like, Hey, there's something more, but I couldn't figure what, figure out what that was. And so for me, it was the military provide, I was smart enough to know I needed to grow up and I needed to mature. And, and I felt like the military would, would provide me that opportunity more than anything else. So, so that's, that's just a quick synopsis of that. Wow. You, you kind of touched on a lot of the same reasons why I joined the military. I can relate to a lot of what you said, um, except for the part joining that, trying to join at 16. <laughs> I was going through minus 16 if you're trying to join that, get into the Army, the Special Forces, yeah. no less. But the thing of it is, is that, you know, we, there's an acronym we all know in the military, particularly if you're in the U.S. Army. If, if you spell U.S. Army backwards, it, it's a different acronym. We won't say the acronym on, on, <laughs> on national TV, international radio and such, but... Why did you stay in the military? Why did I stay in the military? You know, I joined the military before 9-11. So 1999, I joined the military. Uh, we talked about why I joined. And I think what I found those first couple of years before 9-11 is, is there were some things that were awesome about the military that I loved. That first is, is relationships, the relationships that I, that I had with my teammates, with the people that I you know, trained with, I worked with, I lived with. You know, you build really strong relationships. The other one is I, I really got to start pushing myself and challenging myself, figuring out what are what are my limits physically, mentally, you know, you know, what where do I start to fail or break down or where do I thrive? You know, so those are some of the reasons, you know, that I was already enjoying the military. I found success really for the first time in my life in the military. It was the first time I was successful at stuff. Um, and part of that was because I really had this new slate to start with. But then 9-11 happened, and all of a sudden, my reasons for being in the military changed. You know, I think, you know, for all of us who remember, I think everybody can tell you, you know, people my age at least can tell you where they were on September 11th when they heard about the, the towers falling in New York. I was, at, I was out in the field doing a live fire exercise. Uh, we had been out there for a couple of days, and someone had come out to, to refuel us with some, some drinks and food, and we heard it on the radio. But all of a sudden, I, you know, I found myself, so that was September of 2001. By 
by the end of September, I found myself deployed in, in support of the, the initial invasion of Afghanistan. Uh, and then that just continued from there. All of a sudden, you started to see purpose and calling in what you did. You started to see the, the people to your left and your right, those, those same people you had built those strong relationships relationships with. Like There was different sacrifices that happened. You know, ultimately, like the ultimate sacrifice, somebody giving their life. But, but even more than that, the, the, uh, the desire to say, like, hey, I'm going to go put myself on the line, you know, for something bigger than myself. So the reason I stayed in the, in the Army and the reason why I'm still in the Army today is, is it turned into a calling. It turned into a purpose. You know, America and, and the values that America have, the, the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, like not everybody has that. Like, and to be able to have, have you know, a small part with, with this, this group of men to your left and right or women to your left and right that can go after that, that you can, you can hopefully create a positive influence or positive change. That's why I've stayed in, for the, in the military as long as I have. Wow. It's amazing. So, Darren, do you have a question? Darren? Yeah, I wonder if we lost him. Uh, so, oh, no, I'm here. Sorry, guys. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can. So exciting to, to hear Josh talk about it firsthand. You know, uh, after him and I had met a few weeks later, I ended up back in North Carolina at Fort Bragg, and I was going to do some follow up training there. And Josh invited me to come over to his home after work and meet his family. And they essentially uh, rolled out after the kids all went to bed, they rolled out this, this blueprint of some property that they had had purchased already. And Josh had said, Hey, you know, I want to start a nonprofit that, that helps strengthen military families and, and breeds resiliency in the military families. Uh, you know, and so RHF, was born, you know, and, and so I'd, I'd love for Josh to talk about as the Josh is the founder of RHF. And I, so I'd love to just ask Josh, you know, in your words, what is RHF? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Darren. Yeah. I don't think Darren knew when he came to dinner that night that we were going to pitch him on, on a nonprofit and then ask him to help us start it. And then, you know, eight years later, he'd still be, he'd still be working every, every day to try and help us meet that mission. I think the the best place to start first is I have to just share like the namesake of RHF. So, so RHF is the Rick Harama Foundation. So Rick Harama is one of those those men that that I talked about earlier. We talked about the relationship and, and one of the reasons you stayed in the military. Well, well, Rick was was one of those guys. He was he was a brother. He's, you know, we we're going through the Special Forces qualification course here. That's where we met. And he was the he was really the first person that I met in the military that he really made like working on like i was still learning my values like like what were my own personal values at the time i was still working that out as a as a young soldier and as a young man and and then i meet this guy who he's better at everything than me he's he's faster he's more fit he's smarter he's better at all his military tasks but yet he's the most humble person i've met and 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 he was the kind of person that 10 different people would say like that that's my best friend like he he just was a phenomenal person and a phenomenal example of really the values of the military or the values of, you know, that, that I aspire to, which is to, to put others first, to, to be, to care for others, to, to be excellent in what you do. So, so I have to, I have to share who Rick was uh, a couple of things. Rick loved NASCAR. He was a, uh, he's a big gearhead. You know, we had, we always had a vehicle that we were working on. Um, he loved golf. We'd, we'd sit and we'd, we'd hit the pitch and wedge in, in the middle of the little barracks courtyard every day at lunch. But, but so that's, that's what we, the Rick Hammer Foundation. We named it after him. Rick, Rick was killed in 2006 in, in Iraq uh, 
when we were deployed over there. And so it was just a way to honor him and, and really the value that he had. So, so the reason we start RHF is, you know, I can remember having conversations with Rick when we were both single soldiers. The conversation was like, hey, you know, one day we know we want to have a family. And, and we asked ourselves, like, hey, when you have that family, do you think you'll stay in the military? And I don't think either of us knew the answer. Um, you know, I think the, the, you know, the response was like, I hope so, or I, or I think I will, but we didn't know. Well, you know, then fast forward, you know, three, four years after Rick was killed, I got married. I had uh, my first my first child pretty soon after that. And then really in the first four or five years of marriage, I think I had deployed at, at, at least once a year, four or five times. I, I deployed the first time three months after I got married. And we just, this this cycle that, that really all the people in the military kind of live with and families live with. And we just realized this was getting hard. It was hard to serve with excellence as a soldier. And it was hard to do family well at that point when we started Rick's Place. My wife was pregnant with our with our third child. And so we started Rick's Place because we wanted to keep serving in the military, but yet we didn't want our family to have to suffer because of that. Because there's this there's these these competing values and priorities. You have the the mission, which the military values, but then you have family, which the military values as well, but they're but they compete in one one is more of an espoused value and one is more of an enacted value. So our thought was, how do we come alongside the military? How do we strengthen families so that, you know, we can continue to serve? And, and this wasn't just us, right? This is what we saw with our peers and our friends. And so we said, hey, let's start a place so that the time that we do have, you know, we don't, we don't get a ton of time. We think of time, you think of it as quantity or quality. We don't get quantity because we're, we're constantly gone, whether that's for training or deployments. We said, let's take the time we do have, let's make it quality. And so we started Rick's Place, and, and the whole idea was to create a place where families could really have fun together and could do relationship together. And so now we've got 50 acres, you know, right next to Fort Bragg, which is the biggest military base in the world by population of service members. And the whole idea is just a place to go have fun, to, to do relationship, to, to get that shot in the arm when you, when you're just coming back from a deployment or you've been out training for a couple of weeks in, in this this fun place to play and, and do life and then build relationships. So, so that's why we started it. It was, it was because we wanted to keep serving, but we wanted to, to also do it while we did family. Well, wow. I think that's really amazing. And you kind of, you kind of answered my next question, but I want to get a little more deeper into it. So the Rick Herma foundation, what is unique? Would you say that separates that veteran service organization across other veteran service organization? What is that crystallizing thing that is different about RHF? Yeah, you know, I think there's a few things that that really are unique to RHF, and and the first the first in my mind is it's it's sole you know our, our sole focus in, is active duty military families. There's a lot of programs and things out there that support the service member or support a veteran while he's transitioning. You know, there's a lot of programs that support you know injured guys that have gotten injured or have TBIs. You know, there's, there's resources for all of that. There's not as many resources for the family, you know, and, and kind of like our slogan at, at Rick's Place is strong family, strong military, strong nation. You know, from, from lived experience, I truly believe that, that our military is the strongest when our families are the strongest. You know, more than 50% of service members are married. You know, so if you can keep that family healthy and strong and, and, and thriving, then guess what? Your military is stronger and thriving. And, and we all know if you have a strong military, your nation is stronger for that. So, so that's one thing that is a distinguisher is it is our focus and our, our core, core person we want to serve are the, the military families that are currently serving, currently deploying. And, 
and it's not that we don't love service members like we do and we want service members out there, but, but we're focused on, on them as a whole and as a unit. You know, another thing that's different is there's a lot of organizations that do phenomenal stuff and you, you can go really get like a, a shot in the arm or like this, this get a week away and you can do a vacation or, or do something really fun, some kind of outdoor adventure, but it's not where service members live. So we said when we started, we said we want to take that same concept, which is so valuable, which which creates resiliency, which creates strong connections, but we want to put it where people live. And so that's why we did it at Fort Bragg. So that's the other thing that's unique is is we went to the military base and we said we're going to do it here. So it's something that's a part of everyday life. It's not something that you have to plan ahead and get a week of vacation and, and link up schedules and coordinate everything and also do it when kids are out of school. No, you can do this every week or you know, every day if you wanted to. And then the last thing is, is we really wanted it to be about about something positive. And we said, you know, Rick's Place is not there to to heal or to fix service members or families. Like, we believe that, that the, the military family is inherently strong. They're inherently committed. They're, you know, service members, in my opinion, are some of the, the greatest leaders our nation has. And we said, no, we're here. We're here really just to come alongside and to provide a place for families to do what they do naturally, which is to is to build relationship and build community. Um, and we want them to know that it's it's just somebody that, that is alongside them. So so soldiers doing it for soldiers, you know, service members built it for service members out of a need. But in my opinion, that's what makes Rick's place unique. And and, and really, it's why we've had so much success to this point. Wow, Dan. I mean, that really, that really. Before I take it back to Darren, Josh, that is so amazing to me. I mean, that makes me. I had a cold before I came in here. I think I was going with the flu. You knocked it right out of me. <laughs> Brother, you knocked it right out of me. What's your story? That is so profound. I mean, I mean, really, I'm holding back tears to be honest with you. I mean, that is. I think that is so critical and so important that you you touch the souls of so many people doing what you're doing and such a and such a in a way. It was a lot of hard work putting together what you had to put together, but it's such a simple thing when you think about it. Um, but it's so, so important and it's, and it's so hard to do. It's simple, but it's hard. It's hard to execute, but it's simple in concept. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. John. I mean, we just went back, you know, I'm up in DC right now and we just went back last weekend. Uh, and the first place my kids wanted to go is Rick's place. Like, like that's the thing. Like it, like I'm living it, you know, it, it's a place that creates that, that feeling and that connection for us as a military family. So thanks for that. Darren, what you got for us? Well, it, yeah, it, it's it's so amazing because when when Josh sat me down uh, that first night at his home and they pulled out the plans and said, "Hey, we want to start a nonprofit," you know, and and I've consulted lots and lots of folks in business uh, over the years, and I have been taught to, to as a knee jerk reaction, if somebody wants to start a nonprofit organization, you know, try to discourage them. That that that's always been my mentors have always said, you try to discourage that. And, and instead point them and say, you know, so I suggested to Josh, hey, why don't why don't we take this and go find an existing nonprofit and help power that brand? And Josh said, Darren, there's nothing out there like what we're doing. There's there's nothing out there at all. And and so that's where, you know, and then now you've got my attention. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to do something that's going to move the needle here. And so I asked a few business questions. I said, well, how far along in the establishment of the 501c3 have you gotten? He says, well, we have state approval. And I said, well, that's usually pretty easy to get. Have you gotten your federal approval? Federal approval normally takes about 18 months. Uh, Josh 
then a few weeks after that meeting, Josh ended up deploying, and he was gone overseas. Uh, and, and, you know, we stayed in touch, and he would message me periodically, hey, I'm working on the RHF concept, I'm working on it, working on it. And then all of a sudden, I get an email one day saying, Darren, we got our federal approval. In less than four months, while he was on deployment, meaning working nights overseas during the day, working on RHF, pulls off a, an approval, a federal approval for 501c3 in under four months. That is phenomenal. I've never heard of anything like that. And he said, Darren, would you give, you know, would you give one year as a board member? I said, man, I am a lifer. And now roll the clock forward. All the work that Josh does professionally for his military career, all the work that he does in his family, his family's grown. He hasn't shared that with you yet, but we'll get there. His family has grown since, since these days. Uh, he, he, he was the founder of RHF. He then turned his back and went across a, a broad range of his network and found all these amazing other board members, some of which I'm sure we'll have on the show here shortly. But, you know, so in my mind, he created more work for himself, more work than just having the family and strengthening the family and having an awesome military career. He went and created a third leg, which is RHF, which is going to support and strengthen all the other families that get involved. And so my question to Josh is, you know, hey, how do, how do you do family and military mixed so well with the, with the burden of the, of the RHF network all around you? Yeah, well, first, Aaron, thanks for your kind words. Uh, I don't know that I do it well, but but I can tell you that we're constantly trying to improve. You know, I think like the, you know, my immediate response, Aaron, is like I do it in in partnership with my wife. You know, we you know we we have been purposeful in in doing that. But but if I if I take a step back and I think about like this from like what are the things that that you have to fight against or that make it hard. Um, and then how do you combat that so you can you know, strive to do both well? I think one is community. You have to allow yourself to, to be in community. You know, for us, we've got, so I'm a Christian. I've got, I've got a community that, that's around, around my church. And, and those have been a lot of the people that showed up to help when, uh, when we needed people with chainsaws and axes to, to clear out the property. You know, the next is, is my community in the military and the relationships we've built with with the people that I've served with and, you know, and doing life with them. And then I think like, how do you create that community for yourself? Like within our family, like how do we create a culture for our family? Um, and, and I think we're all, we're all kind of like step back and, and I have to think about this and this is something you have to fight against it. And it goes into your identity. I think one of the, the biggest challenges of serving in the military and, 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 so many people want to come up and tell you, thank you for your service. They want to tell you, like, I can't believe you've done it for as long as you have. Or, or to your point, man, I can't believe you started a nonprofit. I think, how do you stay grounded in, in who you are as a person? Like, if I would allow myself to, to be like, I'm a Green Beret, you know, that, like, that's an awesome thing. And, like, and I could wrap my identity around that and make decisions based on that. And if I do, my family's not going to, my family's not going to thrive. Um, or I could wrap my identity around, you know, I was a part of helping start a nonprofit that has served thousands of people. Um, but if but if I do that, then and, and I, I base decisions based on how that feels and, and that praise, and that's not going to do good either. So for me, I, I think like how I do it well is I try to stay grounded in, in my values and in, in my identity. And for me, first and foremost, my identity is is as a dad and as a husband. 
you know, how do I, how do I make sure that that's the, the priority that I'm basing my decisions off of? You know, I, I try to stay rooted in my faith. I try to stay rooted in my military service as in like, I get to serve others. Not that, not that I've, I've accomplished anything, but it's like, I've been, I've been given the ability to serve others and to, and to try and go after that. So, so I think that's one of the ways that you do it. Well, the other is, you know, I, I had a mentor at one point that he shared with me. He's like, Josh, when you go home, you should just take a minute before you walk through the door. He said, and, and it's just, and, and what he offered was, he's like, act like you're taking off your work coat and you're hanging it up and you put on your, your dad coat and your, 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 your husband coat. And you, and you put that coat on, you walk in the door and you go after the being a dad and a husband just as vigorously and, and with just as much energy as you went after the training you did that day. You know, and so you walk through the door at five or six or seven PM and, and you're you're on from that point until until you go to bed and, and you go at the that the same way. So so I, I think wrapping that up, one is like making sure that I guess you you stay humble and, and you, you root your identity in who you are and the things that, that matter the most to you and the things that are you know, for me that's that's my family, that's my faith, that's serving others. And then two Make sure that you you do those things with just as much energy and vigor as you do as you do your job. Wow, that's really amazing! Wow, yeah, about thirty seconds left. So, Darren, Josh, yeah. we're so proud of you guys coming on the show and doing all these things, and also talking to us about RHF and what it means. Uh, I think it's so critical that we got a really good glimpse as to the not just the 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 what, but the why of why you guys created what you guys created. And the power and an impact that it has across this, you know, the, the military community. I think it's so. That's I keep, like I said that I'm so moved. I, I if I didn't have my military brains right now, I'd be balling right now. Or I would be balling right now. Right. Yeah. It, it, it is. It is. It is a moving situation to be a part of. Um, do we have a moment for Josh to talk a little bit about what we want RHF to look like next year? You got about ten seconds. I give you ten seconds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think that's easy. You know, Darren, Sean. I think our hope is that we'll we'll continue to figure out ways to provide programming and and a place for families to connect. And you know that that is through through the military base, through units, through families. You know, so so with that, that's that's the ten second. I think long term, we hope to grow Rick's place to go to other military bases, so we can do the same thing there. Got to get it done. Darren Jeffries, a founding board member of RHF and also the original course creator of and builder for the TV show American Ninja Warrior. Joff Weir, U.S. Army Sergeant Major and White House Fellow. Thank you guys for being with us. Love you both. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Thanks Sean. Bye, Darren. This is America's Heroes Group. Bye. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.